Hey everybody, it's Jason. As I mentioned at the end of the last episode, I'm going to be reducing the number of episodes of The Incomparable I host in a year, probably more often than every other week, but not every week. And I'm hoping that my panelists will step in with some guest-hosted episodes where they can talk about stuff that they love and that they want to talk about that I just don't have the time to get to. Uh, that is this episode, which is all about the Wheel of Time, guest hosted by Moises Chuyon. Also wanted to mention, we have a new thing for members, the Incomparable Special Edition. You'll get longer versions of this podcast, ad-free. Check it out, theincomparable.com slash members. If you're already a member, you can subscribe to that feed. And if you're not a member, become a member. That's just the start of the stuff that you can get as an Incomparable member. Thanks for listening. On with the show. The Incomparable, number 596, January 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm Moises Chuyan, hosting this time around as the wheel turns around and around, leading us to discuss The Wheel of Time, Season 1, on Amazon Prime in the United States and presumably everywhere else in the world that Amazon has set up shop. Uh, joining me to discuss the first season of this show based on a book series that has been around for quite some time now um our glenn fleischman welcome glenn thank you i'm uh, wheels down wheels on fire total ignorance it's gonna be great mr john syracusa i have not read any of the books but as a male <laughs> programmer i can confirm that touching the source can indeed lead to madness <laughs> <laughs> now i i have also not read any of the books uh like glenn Ooh. like john wow. awesome. uh, but someone who has read the books uh joining us from the incomparable zone dragon mount a podcast dedicated to the wheel of time miss kathy campbell how's it going kathy hi moises i have toe towards you and you have no idea what that means and i love it and i can't wait for you to find out <laughs> oh my gosh this is so exciting oh boy oh boy oh boy i feel i feel like a i feel like a man in a world ruled by the Aes Sedai. Um, nice. so to, to give a little bit of a preface here, uh, before we do some pre spoiler horning, uh, of everything, uh, the book series started by Robert Jordan, uh, finished by, uh, Brandon Sanderson, Sanderson, um, is, uh, is something that's been beloved by readers for many, many years and has finally, finally, after various attempts, uh, been adapted for the screen. Uh, Amazon has already renewed it for a second season. Um, there's, you know, whispers in the wind, uh, something that, uh, that magically attuned people can hear apparently <laughs> that maybe seasons three and season four are already looking very, oh, wow. very good. All right. So we can pretty easily bet on, on the fact that we are going to have more of this show to discuss. Um, it's been promoted as a, as the new game of Thrones, the big fantasy series, with a big multi-threaded storyline and a bunch of characters to follow um, decidedly less graphic uh, in various ways yeah. than game of Thrones. Um, maybe more, more, uh, more the, the kind of thing that one could introduce a slightly younger audience to. Um, but there is a, a fair amount of, of, of gore um, in particular uh, and scary stuff throughout. Um, I guess to, to start off with, I mentioned before we began that uh, Glenn, John and I have not read the books Um in in what way have you been aware of the source material uh, as non book readers, Glenn? Well, can I, yeah, can I? Yeah. Uh, this is an opening compliment, not an opening statement. Which is, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's come across my plate at different times, and I just never picked it up. Like you know, I've read, I've read so much science, science fiction, and fantasy. I have no idea why someone didn't like sit me down and say you need to start on these. You know, there's 14 books, right? 14, 
Something yes. like that, right? <gasps> I got it right. It's double. It's like seven or C, just I mean, times two. Technically, <laughs> technically, there's 14 in a okay. novella, but okay. yes, 14 main series books. Ooh, my research pays off. But uh, I I don't know why I never read them. Nothing. I didn't pick one up and put it down or someone said, oh, you won't like these or whatever. But when the series, uh, the series was announced and then I saw Kathy getting very excited about it, I know that Kathy does not devote her time to things that are not interesting. And she's devoted a lot of time to this. And I thought, well, this is going to be good because I couldn't believe, and I'm being complimentary, but it's also true. It's like one of the joys of being in the incomparable family of panelists is that um, we all have different interests and so forth, but we kind of know who we're allied with and who has interests that might be tangential or oppositional to our own. But even then I'll often check things out because I know people, uh, put their time into stuff they think is worthwhile and, and worth investing into, even if it's just, you know, a lark. So anyhow, I came at this going, don't know what it is. Looks interesting. Seems kind of adjacent to my interests. There's a lot of it. And if I stay pure and haven't read the books yet, I'm just going to watch the show. And then I have all of this book to enjoy later and I'll get into it. But Kathy likes it. So going with it. I love that. John, your, uh, your awareness of the wheel of time as a non-book reader. Yeah, so I, I I also you know was always reading fantasy books uh, as a kid. I think this came out like what the, the first book was like in the nineties, early nineties oh, or something. Yeah, okay. so yeah, nineteen ninety. Like middle school, high school, and I had you know I was reading lots of fantasy books, and so were my friends, and I had a lot of friends who were into Wheel of Time. And here's what I know about Wheel of Time from that time: one, all my friends said. Uh, it's really long and there's a lot of books and doesn't seem like it's going to end. And two, the, 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 the books that, uh, that my friends that were reading this, they were into, they were maybe more voracious consumers of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like they would read anything that had like dragons, elves or anything like that. So my uh, impression and understanding of his book series was, oh, it's like, if you know, the fantasy fans set of novels it's like you know if you like fantasy well this is a lot of it right <laughs> and, and at that at that point uh, and that's literally all i knew about the books i didn't know any characters didn't know anything about a setting didn't know anything about it and i was i was more into uh, like the dark tower was my one series yeah. that i was dedicated mm. to and hoping the author didn't die before they finished seems like that didn't work out for a wheel, a wheel of time oh. uh, rest in peace but but literally I knew nothing about it. Like other than this is supposed to be a fantasy. And I suppose I saw once the TV show was in development, like whatever ad banners that Amazon throws in your face that just showed mm-hmm. people in generic fantasy stuff. Yeah. But I went in with nothing. And I kind of decided I'm not gonna look at the Wikipedia page. I'm not even gonna look at what the premise of the books are. I'm not gonna look at how many books there are. I'm not gonna look at anything about it. I just wanna go in with you know complete kind of like i did with game of thrones although i think i knew more about game of thrones than i did about do about this i just knew nothing about it and i have to say um spoilers when we start talking about it that uh this show when episode one surprised me i'm like this is not what i thought my friends were reading i don't know Mm -hmm. if this is what they were reading i mean the people who know the books will tell (laughs) me how closely this connects to the books but this is absolutely not what i had in my mind that like the wheel of time that really long big book series that all my friends are reading that goes on way too long that i rejected because i'm like "Ah, i don't need that much fantasy in my life this is this tv show is way more interesting than i thought kathy uh were you reading these books from shortly after the the first one came out No, I started reading them in about 2000, um, which at that time, there were nine books out. Um, I read them in college because I was bored. And instead of taking harder classes, I decided to, you know, entertain myself um, outside of class. And it's finally paying off. Yes, exactly. Right. (laughs) Right. Great planning. That's long term planning. It's it's I'm all about the long game. Um, 
but I loved them and I was also lucky enough to have access to this thing called the internet at the Ooh. time um, down in the computer lab. And so, you know, I went online and I found uh, other people that were also reading the books and were fans and joined a community there. Um, I've now been a member of that community for almost 22 years. Oh, that's great. Um, so to say the Wheel of Time, the books have had a major impact in my life, um, both reading and in my career, but also my family life. That uh, community I joined is where I met my husband. When my kid was born, uh, we named them after uh, one of the characters in the books. So like this, this series has had a significant impact in everything that I've done. Um, and I love hearing from people that haven't read the books and watched the show. I think that um, says a lot more about the show itself um, than anything that I could ever say. I mean, uh, in... Uh, the Dragon Mount episodes, we go through and we only talk about the show. And then after the ending, we have our book spoilers. Mm. And we do that because we know how important, like, these books are intimidating. There are more, John, is it okay if I spoil how many pages there are? <laughs> go for <laughs> it. Okay? Because I think I, I, I know my reputation as being many books and many long books. Yeah, there's uh, more than 4 million words um, oh in all of the books, which is a lot. And I'm aware that that's a lot. And there is what uh, has been known as the slog in the middle of the books, um, where it's hard for people will usually get to six, seven or eight and just kind of stop. Um, oh, are those and, the camping books where they go onto a, a blasted heath and are camping I mean, and in the snow for a long time? Uh, not quite Harry okay. Potter like, <laughs> but yes, there are s several plot lines that um, are over three, four books, like wow, okay. significant, like single goal uh, scenarios that happen. And so I'm aware that there are lots of people that have not and will not read the books. And so... As important as this series is uh, to be presented on screen in a show that is meaningful, uh, hearing what people that have not read the books or maybe only read the first couple or, or whatever, hearing what they think about the show is so much more meaningful because it says so much about this story as a whole and kind of the umbrella story of these characters that I have loved for more than 20 years. My experience of the books is that I, I, I'm, I've always my whole life been a bargain book shopper. And so if something is on clearance for a dollar, I'll go, oh, I'll grab that. Even if it's the third or fourth in a series or something, I go, yeah, well, I'll, I can probably track down the others. Um, and I, I did that with a couple of the books in the Wheel of Time series and just never picked up the others and never started them. Mm. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I, I can say that not just speaking for myself, but I know other people um, who have used uh, various books in the Wheel of Time series to elevate monitors uh, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of height there. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of height. Um, so so that is that is that is the closest I have come to actually digging into the books. Um, and I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this who have read the books, who think that those of us who've not read the books are Philistines and we need to go and read the four million words of the 14 books immediately. And how dare we be allowed on a podcast 
to discuss it. Well, Kathy knows everything more Yay. than well enough on that side of things <laughs> to account for the rest of us. Well, yes. you know, I was thinking when I, I think every time I encountered it, I think the, the salient point here is by the 90s, I'm an old, old man. So by the 90s, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was I was in I was graduated college and too sophisticated. No, I was reading other stuff, but I just don't think I ever picked the books up at the right time. And I got the impression, you know, I read the first sort of Shannara book called Sort of Shannara, obviously, uh, when I was a kid. And I got the impression a little bit that Wheel of Time was kind of, you know, some Marion Zimmer Bradley world-ish, maybe, but not quite. And that it was maybe kind of like Sort of Shannara, like kind of Tolkien adjacent, but not. It was its own thing. And, you know, uh, Percy Jackson, when you read Harry Potter, even if it's not perfect literature, then there's Percy Jackson. It's like, well, Percy Jackson is actually its own universe. When you read it, you realize it's not so much derivative as kind of, you know, there's a reaction. And so anyhow, I kind of got this sense that like, well, Wheel of Time is one of those forks that if I don't start walking down that it's a long road and, um, you know, maybe I just won't walk down that one. But it's funny when you don't have, uh, there's enough things you can have antipathy about, you know, you read something about it or you're like, oh, I don't even want to get started or it's problematic. And then to find out you're like, oh, well, now I've got four million words ahead of me. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Now, before we uh, we blow off the spoiler horn and get into full-on spoiler territory, I think uh, a little bit of generalized uh, how we felt about it, how it struck us, would we recommend it, would we recommend it conditionally, that sort of a thing uh, would be in order um, to kick things off. Something that I found interesting about this show and uh, undoubtedly the books that it's based on. Uh, and um, I, I'm 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 paraphrasing the way that it was described uh, by somebody who is far better versed in in the books than I am. Um, a, a, a people looking at this show as the next Game of Thrones. Mm. Game of Thrones was directly trying to subvert the tropes of Tolkienist fantasy mm-hmm. and chosen one narratives and all that sort of thing. And this one is is coming at that from a different angle, where without getting into the who of the chosen one. Uh, at the center of the story. Um, But this kind of goes with the notion of what if being the chosen one just sucked uh, and was not really (laughs) great, was not the Harry Potter, not the Percy Jackson type of journey um, that, uh, that uh, that that one might think that it would be based on other chosen one stories. Well, Uh, arguably that's more Tolkien-esque than the opposite. Yeah. True. Frodo Frodo is not particularly thrilled. Exactly. Well for him either. And, and, and I think that that's, it's, um, we can twist ourselves in knots trying to, uh, trying to say that the 36 dramatic plots, uh, aren't a thing and that there is still originality, uh, and that sort of thing. Um, but I, I, I enjoy that the, the journey of the season is not all about emerging one of these characters as the only one that we care about, the only one that we find interesting, the only one that interesting Mm. stuff happens to. Mm -hmm. Um, This is very much an ensemble cast that all have their own journeys to go through. Um, And I guess, uh, um, you know, whoever wants to jump in, jump in. Uh, How, uh, you know what? I'm just, I'm actually going to choose Glenn. Glenn. Oh, um, who, who do you find, uh, the most engaging of our cast as, as a sideways means of introducing some of our main cast here? Uh, gosh, I, I think it's a tie between, uh, and I have the names here in front of me, so I don't make a fool of myself because there's so many names. This is like Dostoevsky. (laughs) And and that's just even, the show has like (laughs) a quarter of the names in the books. (laughs) We're going to have to keep pages like, so Egwene and, uh, Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh. 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 See, I'm going to do it. Nineveh and Egwene. It's all good. Um, I think I, I, I like, you know, I I always like seeing like, I think Nineveh, Nineveh, I'm never going to get this right. 
Nynaeve. Yeah. yeah. Nynaeve. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I'm looking at the name pronouncement. So Nynaeve, I think is a, um, I like that her character kind of, uh, reemerge. I mean, this isn't too spoilery because that was very sort of reemerges that she has a powerful role that she's overlooked, that she has her own uh, mysteries and secrets. That originally she's like, well, you can't be one of this group because X. Um, I've kind of I've liked her character arc at first. I was like, oh, am I going to like this character? Is she already seeming like you know the co- a little bit of a cousin Oliver one? And it's like, oh no, no, this is all neatly woven. And so by the end of the season, I have. Uh, even stronger feelings for her as being, you know, she doesn't dominate the narrative, but she gets her own story and it's not ever the one I'm not predicting the path she's going to take. I think more generally, I think most of the characters, I don't, um, I mean, there are a few exceptions, but I think I'm, whatever my expectation is, it's not the path they take. And I love a show that subverts my expectations while producing something that I actually want to see. It's not just subverting it, make me go, Oh, I'm <laughs> so frustrated. But, but I, I, I don't know what's coming next, even as my brain is, is involuntarily trying to guess it. Let me back up and give a little bit of, uh, of premise uh, breakdown. Um, and there are a lot of names. And if you haven't watched the show yet, you'll get used to the names or you'll have to get used to the names like Glenn did. Um, <laughs> we, we start out and we've got, uh, we've got Moraine Damage Red, uh, Moraine Sedai, uh, member of, of some sort of a, a, a fancy magical order. Uh, she has a, a guard type guy with her named Lan. And it seems like they are looking for someone. They're looking for someone that we come to know as the Dragon Reborn. And in their search for this dragon reborn uh, who is prophesied to go against the great dark evil guy, uh, they come across a group of people in a town called Two Rivers that could all be this dragon reborn. And the first not great thing that befalls whichever one of them is the dragon reborn is that bad stuff starts happening almost immediately. Uh, and and our story takes us off on the run. Uh, John, do you have any of these characters that uh, that either immediately grabbed you that you found interesting, maybe that grew on you over the course of the season? Yeah, I think bringing up the first episode is good because obviously, you know, the first episode of the show, it's got to introduce you to a bunch of people inevitably. Right. Um, and uh, when I started watching it, since I had no idea what I was getting to, I was like, OK, there's some sort of setup thing that I don't understand where there's like a voiceover and it's uh, whatever. Or, you know, that just goes over my head because I don't there's know. There's a prophecy. About that, but, yes. yeah. <laughs> and, and then they and then they introduce a bunch of characters. I'm like, oh, look at all the beautiful people. And they, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bunch of young, beautiful people. And we mm-hmm. get to see little bits of their lives. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder what this is going to be like. But by the end of the first episode, I very quickly realized that this is not like Game of Thrones and that this show is not I- interested in withholding anything because episode mm. one starts off like meet all your beautiful characters and does not end like that it ends <laughs> in fairly <laughs> dramatic fashion and again i have no idea what the books are doing but i'm like okay this is the kind of show where they're going to say in episode one rest assured things will happen <laughs> you know right <laughs> you will meet your characters but we won't spend too long doing that until stuff starts going down and i was like okay i'm on board for that because i'm you know kind of like the witcher where it's like we're not afraid to, uh, you know, the TV show is that we're not afraid to essentially give you what you came for, right? Mm-hmm. Here it is. It's a fantasy setting. Things are going to happen. We're not going to give you seven episodes of learning about these people's home lives and establishing relationships between them, which, you know, they do as much as they can to establish relationships. And of course, they grow over the course of the thing, but stuff goes down. And after episode one, I was 100% on board with Moraine Sedai. She is my lady. I love, <laughs> I love the Aes Sedai. I love that actor. And I yes. love her whole vibe and thing. And I, I identify with the adults in this show. 
yeah. like the kids, yeah, yeah. the 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 five the the four slash five people. <laughs> I feel her pain <laughs> trying to wrangle these guys, and you, I love you, you her have so a, much. You, you have a surrogate love... character who also finds the young adult characters insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> They're not insufferable. Like I okay. like them. Well, I like well, the characters, but but I identify with her and I love her. I love her vibe. Yes. This is before we even got to the episode where I learned about all the different colors and which group she's in. I love her so much. Uh, and so she's my definitely my number one amongst the kids it depends on the episodes sometimes they're a little bit emo i'm like oh come on snap out of it um but I, every one of them by the end of the of season one i felt like they did enough to make me understand where they're coming from and relate to them in some way matt i felt like they fell down a little bit on in the show we'll talk more about how how much time the show gives to each individual character because they have you know uh they don't have a lot of episodes and they have a lot of story that they want to get through yeah. and it's a yeah. challenge but I, if you ask me, what do you want to see more of? I kind of wish that when they showed up at the White Tower or whatever, I do the whole rest of the season there. I love the infighting among all those people, the political <laughs> intrigue, the yes. different power factions and the whole, you know, backstory. I loved uh, all of that. That, that I, was my favorite episode. I was yeah, doing Marine, a little. Marine is my number one. I was doing a little like, tis a silly place, da, 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 you know, because they kind of go there. I don't want to spoil it. You know, they're not there very long as we discuss, but it is a little bit like, oh, Camelot, Camelot. We've spoken so much about Camelot, Camelot, Camelot. And then, oh, all right. Well, I guess but, that was But that. it's cool when they're like, I love, I love all that stuff. I love the factions, the intrigue, the color coding uh, yeah. and, and all the characters that we met, like going in. What's that? What's that green lady? The green, like warlike Alana. Uh, lady? Alana. I love that actor. I loved her oh whole, yes. her, her whole deal, uh, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Kathy, uh, knowing these characters so incredibly well for so many years leading up to the show, uh, did you find that in in the screen adaptation, uh, you you particularly liked the way that they handled uh, one of the characters, maybe even in, without getting into uh, changes that would also involve discussing spoilers, yes. um, but maybe maybe a character that you feel like through adaptation maybe gained the most? It's hard because... Every single one of these actors is exactly the feeling from oh. the books. I immediately recognized the feel and the characters and the way that they were written, the way that they were presented, um, with some exceptions, which we'll talk after um, the spoiler horn. Um, but specifically, that first episode, which was hit or miss. Now, granted, to be fair, you know, this is part of my job um, to watch the show and talk about it and promote it and, and that sort of stuff. And yet I felt no qualms. There was no everything that I say is 100 percent authentic and real because this show is exactly what I was hoping for mm. um, and seeing these characters that have been a part of my life for so long exist in real time and as the characters that they are in the books, even if they don't look how I think, the way that they act and are written and are shown and all of that is so perfect that I'm like, yep, do whatever you need to. <laughs> Go ahead. Go forth, tell me this story. And being able to be surprised, again, I have read all of these books multiple times. I've only read through 14 twice. Um, but that having read the previous books again before the new one came out, um, we're looking at like at least 
eight or nine times for most of them. So like, I'm very familiar with a lot of the stuff and I still don't know everything. But again, this is wonderful. And I'm so happy. I love all of the characters. Don't make me pick. They're all my favorite children. <laughs> so, so Rand assume- is a turd in the book too? Uh, <laughs> spoilers, but absolutely. In fact, yeah. I like him better um, in in the show. No, well, well, yeah, being very handsome helps. Got to make, yeah. well, make sure not make the mistake and name a child, you know, Rand or Egwene or something uh, yep. too early, right? We're in season one. Don't name your children yet. That's yes. Right. Uh, yeah. No, don't don't do the uh, the uh, Khaleesi the Daenerys thing. thing. Yeah. The yeah. Daenerys thing. Oh my 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 thing is I I also like John I really love Moraine um, Rosamund Pike is an incredible actor and the relationship between Moraine and Lan uh, is something that I liken to if the Legend of Zelda had Zelda as the central character and not Link mm. which um, why mm, sorry that's and, a whole other show <laughs> that's a whole other show um, but I th- she she's fascinating she has layers upon layers upon layers. Um, she, she is, uh, she is allowed to have her mission and also try to sort of, you know, give room for her charges. Um, and the, the complexity in that relationship where she, she is watching out for the, uh, the fate of the world. She's also watching out for these people. And how does that balance play out? Um, you know, does, does she, does she, uh, let her sense of compassion overrule her, her need to focus on her mission or does she focus on her mission? Those are questions that we, we start to answer uh, throughout part of season one um, on the casting side of things. Uh, Kathy, this is one of those things that I want to uh, defer to you on. Um, yeah. I gather that I, I would assume just based on when the books started coming out um, and the complexion of, uh, mm-hmm. of fantasy fiction at the time, uh-huh. I don't gather that the books were explicitly as diverse as the casting of the show is. Am I right? So this is hard because the covers of the books were all done by Daryl K. Sweet um, and they're all generic white people. Um, In the books, there is some um, commentary on skin tone in in some characters. Um, Others will say they're darker or like paler than so-and-so and like connections that way but there is not any explicit oh this community is very much meant to be from you know the asian continent or any any of those necessarily um however if you have a series that is extremely popular with generic white dudes um, they will tend to have a very explicit description of what they think the main characters are because, oh, this is a book series that I love. And so obviously they're going to look like me. Um, so when the casting came out, well, there still are um, significant complaints, concerns. Oh, it's not staying true to blah, blah, blah. And you can pull out quotes from the series and be like where does it say right any of this like Mm. none of this is explicitly any of this so just because you put your prejudice onto the series that obviously everyone's white except for the you know couple characters that like dark like ebony skin or whatever 
oh, well, then clearly they're white. And so it's been interesting to see. Um, well, not really the, interesting the, to well, see. I don't care about their thoughts. So the, 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 source, <laughs> the source material itself didn't explicitly, you know, say that all these characters were white. But I mean, you know, painted book covers do a certain uh, a certain amount of. Correct. of assumptions for people on that on that side of things yeah. uh i appreciated that the casting is not just a bunch of white people in fantasy fiction for the uh for for the millionth time um that said um and this is something that that i i think we'll get into more on the other side of the spoiler horn um there are there are there are non-white actors portraying roles that to me unfortunately reinforce certain stereotypes mm-hmm. yes. um yes. that uh, that really bothered the living daylights out of me in in, the, in a in a the, few specific places. Um, the fact that two of the biggest bads that you see in the show also oh, happen to have the darkest skin. Uh-huh. Yeah, that got me. Hundred percent bothers me. <clears throat> um, the the counterbalance to that for me is I you know characters like Nynaeve and Egwene, um, you know uh, being being cast non-white. Um, I. Uh, the 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 one lingering casting choice that looks like I remember seeing the character on the cover of books is Rand. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that Rand had to be a white guy. Um, um, I will state that yes, um, specifically Rand is one of the few characters that is very specifically laid out in cast uh, like in description. Um, I don't. Oh gosh, this is such a difficult. Like, what yeah, sort of spoilers? It, yeah, so it, well, we'll talk about it. But they, and the show, it showed uh, like um, coming from a family of like pale, red-haired people, yeah. perhaps. And the so and the, or, yes. the O'Gear mentioned something in passing where I was like, "That was such a throw-off thing." I bet it's important later. Yes, and we're not going to find out for a long time, and we didn't find out this season. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's, it, it will come. Um, and so y- yes, uh, having having the. I can't even talk about that because sure. of the journey. Yeah. Um, it, well, so st- staying on the other side of spoilers, and this this is something that I I, I specifically wanted to address, but n- uh, but not dig too far into until we got the other side of it, is that yes, he's explicitly described a certain way in the book, but does that mean that that is exactly the complexion and look that the character has to have in the adapted version if you're not uh, if 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 uh, if if that's something that. I don't know. I I don't. Okay, I don't so think. I I, don't, I I would love to talk about that after yeah. the spoiler horn. Yeah, that, that's that's something that that uh, that fundamentally bothered me as as something that, um, the yeah they they made choices in certain places and withheld making a choice there, uh you know to to match the the book covers. Uh, so I think without further ado, we should probably fire off the spoiler horn and and dig into it. Uh, one last thing. Anybody has say, anything else? Go for I it. I got Glenn. one last little thing, which is just. Uh, at first, um, because so many of these worlds are constructed, and when they they put them on the screen, they're constructed with some kind of uh, I don't want to say ideology. I guess it's always an ideology about like casting. Is it going to be you know ethnic and race blind casting? Is it going to be intentionally? Are you going to represent people with our current you know real world pattern and and assign them to places in a fantasy world, which is extremely problematic? But uh, you know the saying that race doesn't matter can also be extremely problematic on the flip side because then it says like, well, you're ignoring the way that people are going to view these characters and put their own views on them. And how do you deal with that? And and I thought in a world in which, and I don't think this is a spoiler in a world in which we like the opens with reincarnation is a real thing. Like we're told it is. And then as the series progresses, we find out a little more about that. I'm sure in the books, much more, 
So with that positive, you're like, oh, like there's families that they show in which it's really clear that like no two people in the family, the children and the parents come from anywhere near the same part of, you know, the the earth world we live in. Um, and it's so it's more like there's almost a an anti-homogeneity across a lot of the casting decisions, and the way it's portrayed. So it never be, appears to be an issue um, within the world. And then, but again, because reincarnation is a thing, you're like, well, what body do people land in that must do something? Like if we had reincarnation, would you think the same way about race in our world? I don't know. But I, but it seemed like a almost a handy shorthand where it's like, everybody's just kind of all together in this wheel and here's how it, here's how it rolls. So without further ado... Um, you know, right in the first episode, uh, we have, we have Perrin, uh, lose himself in the heat of battle and accidentally kill his wife. Um, that's a a very game of Thrones thing, accidentally killing somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And game of Thrones thing in that it is a realistic, uh, type of thing where like in battle things happen that don't seem to be put there by the pen of the author. It's like, especially if you're inexperienced in battle. No, exactly. Like in in the scenario shown in the TV show, there's no expectation that these are any great warriors. They're just trying to stay alive and mistakes happen. And it's, it's a big bummer. But then he's sad about it for the whole season, and I kind of <laughs> wish someone would talk to him and say, dude, it's not your fault. Right. And, and the, the extension of it is, as the season progresses, we see him have this kind of, like, wild wolf power thing that we haven't Which had Which, again, if he yet. had good friends, they would say... Dude, you have wolf powers. Is this not obvious? Do we not? Is that ever, people on TV shows like these wolves keep showing up? I can't figure out. His eyes turn it. yellow. What is going on? I'm like what wolf wolves? powers. I'm screaming at the screen. You have wolf. I don't know which wolf power, but you clearly what? have wolf power. It's why right. do wolves suddenly appear every time you are near? Exactly. I mean, it's like he's got the most obvious power, and no one seems to mention it. Other people right? do stuff and have powers, and they say, "Oh, look, Ooh. you've got this magic." But it's like, well, because they can identify that kind of magic. They've seen that. They know that. They've studied it. They've hear her. Heard, they've heard stories about that kind of magic, but wolf talking to wolves or having yeah. them party with you all the time—that's something new. Yeah, that's well, that, see, that's stories. again watching the TV show. You're not sure, like, so it, what's normal? I, yeah, like you're not sure which. So it's so clear that there is so much more to the story than they have room to put on the screen. Yeah, because, right, and it's not clear which part of it is like, oh, in the books nobody knows about wolf power, or in the TV show nobody knows about wolf power. They didn't talk about it, but there's seven chapters about wolf power in the book. Right. And you don't know which <laughs> which one it is, and so you just kind of have to go and say, well, I guess the show will tell me whether this is significant or whether the people's reaction to it was significant or whatever. Like it's it's I can tell they had a difficult task ahead of them because like i said unlike game of thrones they put a lot of story into this season i mean i guess i i can't even tell if this is one book it seems like it could be (laughs) stuff from more than one book because so much stuff happens in a short number of episodes and like there's 14 books of this how many books have we gone through so far yeah uh i don't know what amount of spoilers for that you want but this is basically one book well, that's a lot of it's a lot of that's plot a lot for of one plot. book. Yeah. And a I lot kinda... of a lot has been cut out. Yeah, the first episode basically takes uh, uh, place o- over the first ten chapters. Well, it's also like things they introduce concepts, and you're like, okay, this is going to be important, and they're like, no, they had to get this concept in. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there are people who are dark friends. Well, we'll talk about that again four mm-hmm. episodes from yeah. now. And you're like, well, I'm glad you told me because it would have been surprising when it came up. But it's also like, well, this is clearly something that must be more. It's obviously more important. It's very important in the final episode, uh, but 
but they had to squeeze it in in that narrative yeah. moment, right? Or, or even like the whole idea of we're going to go to the eye of the world. Like, wow, that's probably going to take a lot of several seasons to get to the eye of the world. They only have eight, you know, nope. eight episodes in this show. I, like, I didn't expect there. them to get there in season one. I'm like, is this right. the, is this the quest? It's like they're going to like this wow. ain't no crack of doom, John. This is something. This is this is actually that's you know there's this is part of the whole how many feints there are in the show and I the same thing I'm like oh the eye of the world this must be the arc of the show and in season seven they get to the eye mm-hmm. of the world and they finally confront him <laughs> and you're like it's kind of like the good place where the good place like you, they they threw so much plot in where you're like this cannot be wait you just did an entire season and half an episode but it's great because by throwing it at us when they arrive there in the last episode you're like oh we're we you know we know this isn't is obviously not the last battle we know the series has been renewed but it gives us that anticipation through the scene that this yeah. important thing is just not it's it, not the they, they hang a lantern on it this is not the last battle and we don't even get to see what's in the box i was totally expecting it so that was the one thing i got spoiled for me somehow through oh, the no. internet and you know how hard it is to avoid spoilers i got one one thing oh, spoiled for me which i don't want to spoil for anyone else okay. but like the the uh as far as i like they did in the series when they did the three thousand years ago flashback yeah i, I kind of knew what they were going to see because people spoiled it which is kind of disappointing because i would have oh, been, oh. been delighted to see that but that's what this is what, my... part of what makes me want to keep watching this show is because just how how ridiculous and audacious the premise seems to be yeah this was my uh opening statement that i couldn't make till after the sto- spoiler bell so i'm gonna <clears throat> very briefly was the whole show uh, you know so i i did not get that spoiled for me i had no sense of what this world shape would be and i'm watching the show and i'm like am i wrong or is this a fallen technology fantasy world it feels like it like but it was partly i couldn't tell if it was production design things seem too clean and magic is everywhere but the magic feels like post-technology magic and they have like even the scene with the ogier and his bookshop and you're like and i'm like i know how hard it is to make books let me tell you i know how hard to pre-free <laughs> modern technology world is to make books that he's got too many books He's so got in, too many books. In uh, episode one, if you rewatch, go back and rewatch yeah. episode one, and they have yeah. a scene that they show that's supposed to like, oh, and here's our establishing shot of the of the big forest in the mountains. Yeah. But it's a bunch of skyscrapers. And yep. I, I can tell you watching that episode the first time, I did not catch that. Only oh going God. back did I look and say, <laughs> oh, it's a bunch of skyscrapers. Oh, okay. man. Like, this is definitely yeah. a series where after you watch the first season, you go back to watch episode. Game oh. of Thrones does this too. You go back to watch the first episode, and there's a lot in that episode that you did not get. If you haven't were, read the books like me, that you just did not get. And now I you're like, they were oh, rock towers. I see it now. But yeah, so when, it cap- so when the episode shows up and you're like, and they pan out briefly to the high tech world, I was like, oh, but you know, but it's partly... <laughs> Everything is so clean. You know, if we you can quote Monty Python, like the people, are, no one is covered in mud. Let us use that term. <laughs> uh, and everything, there was somebody who was uh, commenting on Twitter, uh, something Egwene was wearing. And they're like, that was impossible to make it in a culture like that because the sewing was, and I'm like, is, is this a product, again, production choice? They have a certain amount of money and they want a certain appearance. Or are we supposed to believe there is some technology or remnant of knowledge left? And I kept having that that sense behind it. And by episode eight, I was like, no, I'm totally wrong. I'm just reading it into it. This is not a technology show. And it's like, oh, <laughs> flying cars. That was great. That was great. I love that. Um, Kathy, is there something that, that, uh, that leapt off the screen, getting to see it, you know, live and uh, in, in full motion for the first time that, that we saw in season one, that, that especially jumped out at you among the many, many things that got layered into season one. <sighs> Just so much of it, but getting to see the Aes Sedai, um, 
you don't see more than Moraine in the first book. Um in in the, in the books the the rest of the ice and i don't show up until later um and i know that that was a, that was a choice because the ice and i are so important to the story um and so getting to have them here in pieces and seeing mm. things that had happened off screen in the books and getting to see them in reality and grow these characters that i absolutely adore um and see the community of Aes Sedai and love these characters that I hate for what they're going to do in the future, if mm. they're still going to do it. Because here's the thing is any of this could change and getting to be surprised by the show is a surprise in and of itself. Um, and yet I trust, I trust the creators in these choices and I'm ready to, I'm here to be along for the journey, but I'm very mad that Rafe has made me like some of these characters that <laughs> I hate. <laughs> I kind of like all the eyes that I, even the ostensibly evil ones, because I just yeah. take it as like a sort of like political infighting at work, right? Uh -huh. There's yeah. multiple factions and they're all kind of got it in for each other. But that's part of why I love Moraine so much that yes. they, like, especially that episode where they go to the tower, it's like there's right, those factions, they all kind of hate each other. She's been away, so she hasn't heard all the gossip and they're plotting against her. And it's kind of like just one big like evil high school or something or, uh -huh. or office uh -huh. politics, right? And then yeah. and, and she gets she gets dressed down by the the uh, Amarlin seat uh, lady or whatever, and it's like oh things are going bad for her or whatever, and it's like behind <laughs> it all, right. it's like that's my girlfriend. That was great. <laughs> that was so good. It's, and it's the ultimate yes, like because I was I'm I'm so in her camp, and it's like it's like oh she's she's totally getting in trouble here. Like no, she and that's I feel like that's the whole deal with the blues is they're doing secret stuff and not telling you about it. Yeah, and it's like secrets upon secrets upon secrets and. <laughs> When she she All pulls uh, in that scene where she's got the the red lady following her and she's just annoying her and she's like she pulls out the I know about the dude in the other oh, town man. And throws in her face that was and so keeps good like she's she should have her own spy show yeah, the, the blues <laughs> the, the blues is the ISDI CIA uh, mm -hmm. you know covert ops yeah. sort of organization yep. is fascinating uh, something I want to throw out and uh, I think there's a lot more to talk about with the ISDI. I love the complexity of them as an organization and it, it is the level of complexity that I wish we had seen within the Jedi council and the Jedi oh, in, yeah. in the star Wars series. Mm -hmm. Um, that's only alluded to there. The, the breadth of it that we get in this season is fantastic. The levels of complexity, the infrastructure of it all, it all feels like it, it makes sense in this world. It isn't just something that got assembled on a cork board. And there's no yes. evil ones. Like the red ones aren't evil. Like I, I, I understand where the red ones are coming from and the green, you know, like all the factions have something Different that makes sense to me in, yeah. in what they're doing. And I, I love, I think my favorite two episodes are the ones that start with flashbacks with the flame of Tarvalon and the, uh, the flashback with the, uh, the, the only, the best, uh, pregnant lady fight scene ever oh my god that is so extraordinary that was one of the best things i've ever seen on tv oh and i love both of those episodes because i didn't know what, who that was or where it was going i figured it out eventually but i'm like are they really going to go there it's like yes they're going to go there for like yes. 10 minutes it was just they cast the, the stunt woman for her and she will uh potentially be in the future episodes we don't know but like they looked for somebody that could do that fight for real and that wow. I, d screaming 
was heard from my office the entire time that <laughs> happened. It was something so that, beautiful. This show does well. Like to give an example of like the, the Trolloc battle in episode one, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so big orky creatures come and, and you're going to fight them, right? How many times have we seen that? But I thought they did a really good job of making the Trollocs seem threatening yeah. and difficult to kill for yeah. a bunch of like random people in a town, right? Yeah. And they had a nice escalation of like, first there's one and we've defeated the one and boy, it wasn't that hard. And then there's like a thousand of them and then Moraine comes out and does hurt. Like they just do a good job of the basics of making a fantasy TV show. And I think the, the sword, the, the pregnant sword fight shows that because that's, it's not easy. Like, oh, we're going to have a sword fight in the snow with a pregnant lady. Oh, man. It's easy to screw that up. They didn't. Yeah. They did an amazing job at it. And, and you know. A, a fight a fight that ends the the you know the the climax of a fight being childbirth you don't see that too often <laughs> yeah, i thought no. they did an incredible job with uh the scale of magic this is a huge complaint of mine in every fictional world in comics in books tvs and movies and everywhere is you know superman sometimes can be knocked out by somebody hitting him and sometimes it requires the power of 20,000 suns right and in harry potter sometimes people do a spell and it's like Oh, you threw that, did that one thing. Another time, like an entire forest has burst into flame. It's like, what is your scale of power? Mm-hmm. And in yeah. this, the Aes Sedai and, uh, and kind of the whole notion of power expressed, it has a toll and you always see uh, the toll. The toll may be madness or the amassing of strength um, when they're holding down the false dragon reborn and they're mm-hmm. like we gotta put all of our energy like it takes two of us it's gonna take three now and then uh, uh Nineveh's uh, spot where she comes and has that you know fireball moment and it's um it's fantastically done I'm not sure I can think of any show in which the scale of power was felt consistent it was like the doctor who controls you know with the first doctor <laughs> actor saying oh no you've got to make them real because if you don't use the same thing at the same time people will notice and i'm like yeah. oh i just love when i can see i know something about the limits of moraine's powers yeah they did the same in the final episode with the they're mm. burning their bodies out it's like yes. they have magic and they can use it but there is always a cost and so yeah. it's always the equation of like how much of myself am i willing to give mm. to you know because the, the you know the, the magic takes effort right and uh, yes. up to and including the point of like if i'm willing to give everything and sacrifice myself and also all the people around me i can do lots yeah. and lots of magic even in episode yeah. one moraine gives as much as she can, but without dying, but she does sort of Pretty pass close, out and yeah. collapse on the ground. And I mean, that, she can't that lets you herself. know that even though they're super powerful, mm-hmm. just because you're hanging out with one of them doesn't mean you're necessarily safe because they are just one person yeah. and they can do a thing. But that's, you know, and they, I think it's spread out for two episodes where she's just weak and she can't do anything. She's expended all her energy. And that that's the only way you can have magic in a show without it being overpowered. Right. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. like, why does anyone yeah. ever have a sword? It's pointless. Yeah, I love I love the effort that goes into uh doing the magic that channeling mm-hmm. um seeing that on screen and the hand movements and the effort that's put into it that concentration level um translated so beautifully to the show that just made me so happy because you know in Harry Potter a lot of times Oh, they're just doing magic. There's no effort. There's no, woo, they're waving they're, their they're wand. They're reciting and, something and pronouncing it the right way. Yeah, yeah and you yeah. got to make sure you, yes, exactly. You have to make sure you pronounce it correctly or it doesn't work, but that's it. And otherwise, you just flick and swish and boom, you're good. Um, and so having the effort, having the time that it takes to channel, you can't just decide, oh, I'm going to, you know, throw a fireball. No, you have to put that concentration and that effort into weaving the pieces together to make that fireball um 
it, it, it's just so well done. And having it not be a power that the people have. They are mm-hmm, the, yeah. whole, the, the whole vocabulary. They're channeling. They are touching the source. I don't know what any of these things are, but the show clearly makes it <laughs> they are merely a conduit for a big, powerful thing that could burn them out. It's not theirs. It's not inside their bodies yes. that they're able to, you know, oh, I'm powerful because I have this thing. All they are is a wire connecting one end of a thing to mm. another. And by the way, that wire can melt in like two seconds, so be super careful. And if men connect the wire at all, apparently they go mad for reasons the show goes on to explain. It's an ACDC and, problem. They've got the wrong uh, yeah. con- yep. transformer. And in so there. that that positions them as, yes, they are the, you know, they're the keepers of this secret, but they're not in possession of anything. They are just, they're just trying to control and funnel this immense source of power to do their bidding to the extent that they can. Yeah, the conversation that's had around the fire with the warders that uh, when they're speaking to oh. Nynaeve, um, and they're talking about what the word I said I means in the old tongue, um, that it's servant to all and that the warders are serving you know, doing the best that they can to support their Aes Sedai so that they can serve the rest of the world. Um, I love that that speech was in there. And I love that that conversation was had because it does, John, just like you said, reinforce that idea that, hey, they're just a conduit. They're just here to be able to do what they can do. And it can injure them. It can kill them. It can, you know, be ex extremely exhausting and all of the work that has to go into it and the intrigue in the tower of course layered onto that it's it's not something that oh everyone wants to be an Aes Sedai everyone wants to be able to channel because it's a lot of work it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of everything to be able to make it happen and I I love that that came across and they're feared and hated, which is a trope. Of like, course, like, if, of course. If, you're, if you're mostly living in mud huts and the magic person comes into town, it's probably not going to be a good day for yeah. you. You really don't want them there. <laughs> you don't trust them. It's not good that they have this power. They're off in their tower far away. They're they're the elites. They're literally in an ivory tower. I mean, it's not. <laughs> yeah, literally. You know, so yep. that dynamic is definitely in play. And the fact, like, here's what I thought, uh, you know, I would never have guessed, you know, from my friends all reading this book and I would just being sort of this ur fantasy thing that. Uh, you know, as far in this season, the, the sort of the main organization that we care about these eyes that I entirely women and men can't even use magic. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. I would yeah, never have guessed yeah. that, that there could be a fantasy novel in the 90s that a major element of would be, oh, yeah, the magic users are only women because men screwed it up. Uh, and on that note, uh, that's that's something that I, I found impressive as well. And we have much more. Uh, I guess you would say evolved conversations about gender and gender identity these days. Um I I feel like we have come a long way if even for the 90s, this was progressive. And in this day and age, hearing that line in the first episode uh, about whether you were born a boy or a girl, uh, which uh, I have I have a lot of friends who would take issue uh, with with that phrasing because of their personal gender uh, journeys and, and identities and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think that as as much as that maybe makes me flinch a little bit. There are elements of the show that go so much further than what I am used to that I I can accept. There are only so many things that you can, um, that you can tweak, uh, through adaptation and, and move on past, um, in, uh, in, in something as complex as all of this. Um, how, how do, how do we feel about, the complexity of everything um, and and uh, whether we've revisited the whole season, individual episodes, that kind of thing. Um, this was one point that 
I, I, I became more okay with as I, I, I rewatched uh, a couple of episodes in the middle. I rewatched the last episode three times. Um, and I rewatched the first episode a couple times. Um, are there things that maybe bugged you, uh, that didn't bug you as much if you, if you rewatch stuff as, as the season progressed, um, any, anything that, that stuck out and, uh, and nagged at, uh, at any of us? I think the pacing is, ha- the show has difficulty with pacing, right? Because it, this amount of story they tried to fit into this number of episodes, like it's, it was never going to be an easy fit. Um, the one thing it has going for it is that, you know, the, our, our, you know, our main party that we get introduced to with episode one, they don't know what's going on as characters either. So they're good audience proxy because they're like, what's this? What's going on? Who are you? What, how does this work? Whatever. So they get to, you know, cause they're just from the two rivers. They don't know anything about anything. Right. But so much happens in, in fits and starts of like introduce these people and those people and then massively compressed okay we have to tell you in this episode these people exist they've been here doing this they're doing this thing they're gonna do this thing and then they're all gonna die like in one episode <laughs> it's like whoa that's a lot of backstory like all right okay uh you're the dragon we're going to the thing use this i know you've never seen it before super powerful anyway use it okay now it's like it's it's not it's a very lumpy progression right which you know I, i'm mostly okay with because i'm like look stuff happens like you're not sitting yeah. here going, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? They get to the fireworks factory. <laughs> um, yeah. But some of it, I feel like can't possibly land as well in the TV series as I imagine it must have in the book. Because in books, you have chapters and chapters to go through all this stuff and to set everything up. And so people's personal sacrifices or relationships is like, I just met this character, you know, less than 40 minutes ago. And now I'm supposed to care that they're dying or they're not going to fulfill their their life's mission or whatever. Or I'm supposed to feel emotional about them fulfilling their duty. I just met them. I don't know, really know enough about them. Yeah. But that's just that's that's probably the most difficult thing of this series. And I can feel it like I can I don't know what's missing that's in the books, but I know there's something <laughs> missing because because it doesn't hold. And it's a shame because a lot of these things like the, you know, I don't know what these guys names are the guys all in white who are super evil. The white cloaks. The, burnt, the white yeah. cloaks. I like that they right. have a nickname that is just what we call them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, but anyway, yeah. I, I love their evilness and I love the sort of religious fervor of them, like yeah. misguided notion of essentially burning witches and wandering around and all well, that stuff. Well, but, but are they but wrong? They, but it's they also, come and go so quickly. Are they wrong, though, like, is too, is the question is like they their methods seem to present it as very evil. But in the context of the world, like now I'm like, oh, there's something much more complicated about them, I assume. Well, and two, there's only um, Valda, Emin Valda, who is the one that does the evil things, is, you know, that evil branch of the White Cloaks, which I don't know how well that comes off. But when they are meeting, you know, the Two Rivers Five, um, the kids with their mom and dad uh, in the field or in the forest, and there's the older gentleman that's there. And it's like, oh, you know, oh, are you okay here? Go get some healing right and the other one comes up and it's like "Mm, wait a second like there's already those factions that are divided in the white cloaks as a whole but they still have that idea of you know witches are bad and and all of everything involved with that um for pacing specifically i will say this um covid hit them between episodes six and seven um and after they were able to come back to filming. Um, the actor that played Matt had left the show. So they had to completely rework the script for seven and eight to make adjustments as needed to tell the story differently. Um, not that that's necessarily an excuse, but layering that in on how do we make these important key points happen 
with one fewer main character. Um, I can't even imagine the conversations that had to be had to make yeah, that happen. It, his exit on the show did seem kind of abrupt, but I to- I did, had no idea about the actor. I tossed yeah. it up to, well, I guess his story happens later, so he doesn't, you know, like, they had, him, they had him touch the stupid evil dagger like he's on a Brady Bunch episode <laughs> and goes to Hawaii, yeah. right? And then he gets possessed and, like, I felt like he didn't, and some of the people, some of the people in the friend group are down on him. I'm like, ah, there's no reason to dislike Matt, the character. Like, he's got a tough home life, but he seems like an okay dude. And then he just stays behind, and we're not sure why, and it feels unmotivated. I'm like, oh, I'm sure he'll turn up again. But I guess he's that particular actor, anyway, is not going to turn up again. He will, he will turn, Matt will come back. He's been recast to finish out the series in future seasons, but there wasn't enough time and manipulation to make it work for seven and eight. You can't just be like, Oh, wake up one morning and you're a new character. Like, I I don't (laughs) know. Suddenly he's the man in the iron mask. I I thought (laughs) his character got the worst treatment in the first episodes too, though. So, because I mean, again, without knowing the book, it's like, you know, his mother says, you'll be a prick like your father. And it's like, that seems unfair. He look how hard he's working for his, you know, he's he's, he's gambling to to get enough money for the daughter or the sister's to be fed he's protecting the sisters from the parents he's trying to keep it all together poor i mean you know he's a little bit of a scoundrel but i was like oh he's a gambler like no he's gambling to get enough money to feed his family and you know so then it's like there's nothing after that where i feel like they're like oh you're a rogue so you must be turning to evil it's like come on you give it anyway he, yeah, he i felt he, he was he's done a little dirty. more jean valjean than edmund in the lion the witch in the wardrobe <laughs> yeah and, and they do a little bit of oh, telling instead of showing nice. of saying like oh well the the dagger yeah. the darkness and the dagger uh, you know, he, his, him uh, the darkness later. was feeding on yeah. him, but it also vice versa. I'm like, well, and when has Matt he had any real bad. darkness? Like, I don't. I feel like Matt's getting a bad rap here. I yeah. don't. Yes, he got. I feel like it's all the dagger. <laughs> this is the Matt sympathy club. It's like, it's like Matt was done dirty, and then he disappeared. Agreed. Then he was sent back to his home planet, which I can only imagine because right, they didn't show they didn't show, show him to have any particular vices. Did yeah. he have a temper? Was he uh, unnecessarily cruel? Was he lazy? None of those things, really. He was just a person in a difficult situation. Situation, and then the show kind of leaves him behind. Yeah, they he give him get a, a hard lot time. of screen time. Right, and they give him a hard time because he he wants to go back, and it's like he wants to go back because he's trying to protect his sisters. He's not going back because he's scared or doesn't want his destiny. He's like, my sisters, all they've got are his, my parents who are terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pointedly look at the listeners who are listening right now. <laughs> Don't spoil anything. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we, we leave Matt uh, on the other side of fast travel. And uh, <laughs> the ways in this series, look, if video games do not up their game on on how they mythologize fast travel um, after what we get uh, in, in the form of the ways in, in this show, uh, I think they're falling down on the job. Uh, <laughs> I got huge squid game vibes. I got to tell you, like watching this after that, like, oh, walk carefully on the correct tiles. If you fall off, you will fall forever. It's like, oh, it's, right. a, it's a great plot device of like, well, the, we have these characters travel long distances, but we can't actually have them do yeah. it in real time. So we do need for the purposes of the book series, it would be good if our characters could move more quickly. And plus it also explains the like how do the evil people get where yeah. they're going although it doesn't explain why were the evil people not always using the ways <laughs> like the ways were because closed, the death like oh. the amount of like death that comes upon them it's yeah the ways don't seem scary. particularly safe or well lit yeah no definitely <laughs> they not. need some handrails they need some good lighting <laughs> better yeah, signs the, that can't be scratched off yeah in the in the series um one of the uh like elements that i feel like it came 
across sort of well, but like um, the idea that the darkness in the ways is so deep that the lanterns and the not flashlights, obviously they're not flashlights, the torches don't work as well. And like this idea that the the ways are so oppressive and the darkness that's in them is so dangerous just mm. being in it that like this isn't a way that you would normally happily you know trot off because you're going to cut off you know months of travel out of it well, i guess the trucks all have really good self-esteem because the whispers <laughs> that go in their ears they don't they don't feel bad about it they come out well the other they side. also have a fade you know forcing them to go they don't yeah, really have much true. autonomy <laughs> but I, I also that's another place i feel like look if we're gonna maybe they do this in the book but you know moraine's gonna bring these kids and we're gonna go through the ways like spend 15 minutes saying look you're gonna hear evil whispers in your ear telling you everything you fear about yourself this is going to happen prepare for it now Let's all go around in a circle and say, what do you think the voice is going to say to you? It's going to say that you killed your, you know, wife, girlfriend by accident with an axe. And don't you feel bad about it? Yes, I felt bad the whole season. So when it whispers that in your ear, (laughs) chill about it. Like, it's just, it's evil. It's trying to get to you. And anyway. Well, to be fair, the idea was to not meet the black wind. Like, that was the goal, uh, to mm-hmm. not have to but deal pre- with that. But, but preparation, preparation is not... Yeah, you would think. Enough. Preparation is key. They are she, not Boy Scouts. She does play a lot close to the vest, and I kind of appreciate that she is just full of secrets to the extent that people are like, listen, you know, <laughs> you, you're so full of secrets, you wouldn't even tell us, like, what you ate for breakfast. It's uh, just, she's, she, she's always emphasizing, you know, I can't lie. It's like, yeah, but you can withhold lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tons. It's a good strategy. You can just say nothing. Lie. Yes. Jumping back uh, in in the season, uh, one of the things that I enjoyed the most that I think uh, lent itself to letting some of the character development breathe after the roller coaster that is the first episode um, is that we we fracture the fellowship, as it were, um, <laughs> ra- rather soon. And and we we get uh, we get an opportunity to get to know these people and their interpersonal dynamic a bit better. Um, before they, they inevitably come back, uh, together. Um, and the, the fracturing of the group is, um, is, is where we start seeing more of these guest actors dropping in. Uh, we mentioned the, the leader of the white cloaks, uh, or, well, he's not ostensibly the leader, but he's, he's in charge of some division the of them. Questioners is guess. what they're called. <laughs> the questioners. There we go. Um, but we, they're just uh, asking the question, right? <laughs> they're, they're just asking, yo, this, you believe in the light. This is. This is very good. Uh, yeah, they're a, yeah, they're a um, I want to say a men's rights organization, but I can't cast that in fantasy terms. <laughs> I'm just asking. We're, we're not there yet, but no, men actually. can use magic. No one can. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we we have we have a few uh, featured guest performers on this season. Uh, one of the early ones, uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy, for oh, any other fans of the commitments. Crazy. Uh, she's incredible. She's fantastic. I, um, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the traveler group that she's a part of. Um, we mentioned briefly the, oh, the false dragon Loghain, yes. uh, played by Alvaro Morte. Oh, um, I was kind of rooting for him. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, yeah. A lot of charisma. Very charismatic. Major Watch charismatic. out, John. We're getting drawn in. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I feel like he, by, by the end of the season, he's not doing too hot. Yeah. <laughs> well, sad. the the nice thing about I love that we got to see more of him um, because he basically shows up after these pieces happen. Um, and so getting to see him in his full charismatic, you're like, oh, this is why all of these countries like supported you in battle and went off to die. Like, I get it. I totally get it. I would as well. 
like go low gain. We mentioned uh, the the Tamerlan seat uh, played mm. by Sofio Canedo. Uh, mm-hmm. and you don't cast a Sofio Canedo and, and just be done with a character. Uh, I presume at least that's the assumption that I make. Um, I, I love that we get a lot of her in, in mostly, I think just one episode, right? Yeah. Episode yeah. eight. The episode, episode, the episode starts with backstory, especially a cold open backstory oh, where man. you don't even know who it is that you're looking at. Right. Yeah. That, that I, I love that. That is a great sort of. That's a great formula for introducing a new character, make you care about them pretty darn quickly, and then to have them be such an important character, and then to have the big twist with uh, uh, her and Moraine. I thought that was a that was a great, surprising, strong episode, and really because otherwise you show up and she's just this person on a throne. It's like okay, royal lady on a throne, whatever. But if the first time you see her is that intro thing, that's never how you think of her. You never think of her as the queen lady who's in charge of everybody. You still think of her as that little kid. But they did a great job, too, in that little quick sketch where with two characters and a river, right, they come back and the house is burned. And you're like, man, the smallest misstep. That's what she's lived with. And then her father is like, all right, I'm going to send you up the river away from everything. And she's like eight or something. Right. I mean, it was just that's she might be a, able to get into that whole magic thing. Who knows? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's just uh, <laughs> some needs to magic the gathering. I, It's, you know, as a parent, this is I guess, you know, there is that role. It's like you reach a point in your life and your your sympathy switch from the younger characters to the older characters. And you're like, why would you? F- Oh, I can understand as a parent, you're sending your child on a river by themselves because they're not safe anymore. But, but that so know. informs her character. Like, yeah. why is she such a hard ass? Like, what? Look at where she came from, and like, yes. it's going to it's going to inform a lot of her sort of a lot of her decisions, and yeah. you know, right down to I have a secret plot with my girlfriend to do a thing that's su- <laughs> to do a thing that's super important that I'm not going to tell anyone and else they have, about. They have a secret room they can go to through a painting. It was very it was very Harry Potterish. I'm sure it predates the writing and the probably, but um, it I just love the fact that you're like you know you always love that thing it's the Chekhov's gun thing it was Chekhov's portrait of a lady and you're Mm -hmm. like there's a great little painting that we know there's a story and I thought it was oh that's about loss that's someone she knew and he was (laughs) a family relative it's like (laughs) nope it's a portal it's cool Ugh. I it makes me like I literally have goosebumps right now just hearing you all talk about it because yeah Swan is incredible and Sophie is just a goddess and I love her can, can I bring up a whole different thing? Do you mind? Do it. Please, <laughs> the, go for it. I mean, so, in, in the spirit of the show, Glenn, take us on another, let, another yeah, journey. Let's, let's, so, did you fall off the mountain or, or the, I, <laughs> off the wall or did you go through? I plunged the, into deep water and okay. came out refreshed. Uh, so I think a, a key problem to, to me and a lot of uh, – I think – much more typically like in video portrayal versus in books and things uh, where they more expansiveness is uh, is mourning is often a missing component. Something I loved in the Lord of the Rings series is that death was an important thing, right? That key, like one of the greatest part of the series is the, is it with the, uh, the, you know, the horse folk there, the uh, Rohanim and, um, and the, the keening at the death of, you know, the, um, the sister, uh, the, the yes, it, not, yeah. uh, the, uh, Theodred's oh, son. Uh, oh, uh, in uh, Lord of the Rings, sorry. Lord of the Rings. Yes. Right. Yeah. So there's yeah, that keening thing. So then in, so I, that's, I think part of the touch points of, um, these huge epic things is that people must mourn the dead in some fashion. You have to believe that there's a stake and the stake is life and death or, you know, and when you go, people, you know, people die and it's just kind of like, all right, we got to move on and blah, blah. And every next scene, everyone's laughing. You're like, Oh, you know, some of that happens because especially if you're in an era or a, a world division in which people uh, can die very easily and suddenly, and, you know, we don't have modern medicine and, and there's, you know, Trollocs occasionally running around. Right. But this show, I think does such a, 
incredibly beautiful job of dealing with mortality um, without obsessing on it. And I think, I mean, the, the center for me is I had to watch the, one of the only scenes I've watched multiple times now is the end of the episode in which let me find his name so I can actually use his name. It is uh, the uh, warder of uh, a step the warder where his uh, Aes Sedai dies, is killed in saving everybody or trying to save everybody. And uh, Steppen, that character actor got such a plum little thing. It was done so beautifully. It was all this nice little thing. And then when he dies, and that scene at the end, uh, I can hardly think of a work of fiction, you know, something where we're watching a cultural, you know, uh, a created culture where you're seeing a ritual happen that has that much impact. And I just, it's just the pounding of the chest. And um, anyway, and, but, but it happens throughout too, I think. I mean, we would like that Perrin eventually to kind of move on a little bit, to have some integration. And it's only a matter of what weeks or months we've seen so far, but his, when he killed his wife, it's horrible. But maybe there's a little too much of that. But the fact is he actually is suffering from this terrible thing that befell him that he blames himself for. And that, anyway, so I think that is an uh, an incredible element of how it's portrayed. I don't know what it appears like in the books, but I think they've done a beautiful job of uh, integrating it in like a, I don't know, like visual oral narrative form that um, that's superb. Yeah, they, they did such a good job of establishing. They had the whole episode of like talking about the warders and the bond between oh. them and the different kinds of bonds. And some people don't have warders, like that whole deal. I feel like there should be a better support system in the White Tower for when so you've lost so you've lost your eyes to die and right. you were bonded to them. Obviously, we know yeah. you're going to be sad. We know it's a super strong bond. There should really be much hard. better support system than just like we're going to have this one ritual. We'll beat our chest and then you just hang out with your friend. Like someone should be watching that guy a little more closely. Yeah. Well, they tried and then you know Lan got um, drugged, drugged and passed was, out. Wow. So maybe more than one person and don't eat anything that's been given to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, did, yeah. The, speaking, speaking of Lan and death, uh, that, so that, the, that scene again, surprised me the, the whole scene with Nynaeve, uh, yeah. and, and Lan, when he, when he died for that three seconds, he was dead in the yeah. show. I was like, oh, I love him. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, but I should have said, but wait a second. Isn't that like a famous actor you've seen in other things? And he's probably not going to be dead in episode five <laughs> but you never, or whatever. You never know. They threw a lot of money at it. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah, right? yeah, that's yeah. A, it could be uh, Drew Barrymore and Scream, right? Spoilers. But, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, and although, again, the boundaries of the, the magic there, like it, her, you know, her instinctive reaction of coming in touch with the source saved him because she's got the hots for him. And we'll see that later. Uh, but didn't save the other person because they died outside the window of saving, I right. guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you have had that reaction like 15 seconds earlier? Right. Well, and and Glenn uh, unintentionally pseudo-spoiled something <gasps> by indicating oh, no. that Nynaeve still continued to be in the show after the part where she's fake out dead, but she's not actually well, dead. Well, I mean, you know, if you don't see a body on but if you shows, don't see a you kind of know. Yeah, that, you yeah know. 100%. Uh, but uh, to, to that point and to, the, to, to, this, uh, to this overall point that Glenn brought us to about death mattering and landing and so on, I, I love that we have these guest actors that come in for an episode two, three, and that have a, a fully formed mm. supporting uh, yeah. guest character arc and we we lose people along the way of these kinds of journeys and it it gives us it gives us stakes for people that we care about 
that are not necessarily the characters that we expect to be with us for the majority of this journey who kind of need to survive um, if they're telling a long-form story know, with that's them. The good thing is not knowing the books. You don't know who's going to survive. Exactly. Like, when they split yeah. the party, yeah. I'm like, yeah. well, maybe more of these people are going to die. Game of Thrones has kind of conditioned us to not expect to, everyone yeah. to live, yes. even your favorites. But but uh, honestly, except for the name actors, like Rosamund Pike, I figure she's going to live, right? But except for the actors that I, I know from other stuff, all these new kids and everything, like they're all expendable as far as I'm concerned because we don't know who the dragon is in the beginning you don't know yep. like you can kill any of these guys uh eventually it becomes clear that they're going to try to keep mostly keep them alive but even like when they met uh the one that went to Mudtown and met the first dark friend <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah uh that the bartender lady like oh yeah. this could be a new character it's like, ah, nope that was, yeah. nope I, even the but, fairy but she man did a good job it was a good I, she's just as good a character actor great. as any of the like the main kids that i've never the, seen anything before the fairy man got like you know what was it like 80 seconds on screen <laughs> that guy was great i'm like uh, i actually yeah, cared about it, it, it yeah. well <laughs> he was making bad decisions yeah. but he's like my son and whatever and then you get to see moraine be like he's already dead he's already dead yeah. you'll be dead everyone will be listen. dead and he's no. like well i gotta go <laughs> no. back i gotta do the thing and then he's sucked <laughs> down and she feels you know they're the, the other the kids are like what the hell just happened and she's like look we gotta move on but it was like a real death they weren't just like okay that happened we're just leaving yeah. Well, and even f- as somebody who has read the books, there is enough different in here that anything could happen. Mm. And any Ooh. like I have an idea, obviously, of who who might make it. But really, they could change anything at any point. Um, and who knows? We we have no idea what really is going to happen because the the bones of the story are here and the progression is very similar, but it's the journey to get there to those points is very different. And so it's a, a delight for me anyways, but I know that that seems to be a big reason that a lot of the book readers have problems with it is that all of these little things that... For oh. you guys, you don't know any different, but for somebody that has read the books, they get very personally attached to, oh, you can't take out this city because of X, Y, Z. And it's like you realize that this these same things can happen. They don't have to happen in the same location. They don't have to happen in the same like time frame to still have the moments so just calm down with the people that can see the whole story tell the story that they want to tell yeah it's 14 books i mean they, they can't even yeah. fit all lord of the rings into like three right? giant movies like you, you know there's the complaints about cutting about 14 you can't there's no way you can make a tv show out of no. 14 books and include everything from the books like well, especially because like in the books you meet some of these characters earlier on in the books that don't have a point to the story for mm. several books in the future. So why wow. are you going to cast somebody and put them on screen and then have them disappear for another three books? Yeah, like, and I mean, that, again, that was like, difficult with Lord of the Rings of like making sure that you cast people who are all going to be alive and like right. you were Harry Potter having to repass the, uh, recast Dumbledore. Like you yeah. can't, it's impossible to do that. So if anyone is staring down the barrel of these books and say, we're going to adapt it to a TV <laughs> show, you know that the job is figure out how to tell the things that you care about from the story in the form of a TV show. And so things have to be, I'm surprised there aren't more composite characters, more like, you know, just, and that's, that's the art of doing it. I don't think anyone would want to see a page for page re-adaptation of the book. I know, I wouldn't. It would just be too darn long. Like that's, 
it's not possible. Like even something simple, we talked about the stand several times. There's many mm-hmm. attempts to adapt this. That's just one book, one 1,000 page book. And even that one, you can't just do it exactly how it is in the book because it's not paced well for a TV show or a movie. Like that's yeah. that's the art of making a TV show. So, it, you know, uh, and so, I'm assuming the same thing for The Witcher because I never played the video game or know anything about the source material, but it's like, just make a good TV show. That's all. That's all I want. And anyone who's upset that it's not faithful enough to the book i can understand being upset that like there is a theme missing or there is a cool event that you would like to see but uh, like you said Kathy, like you can do the same thing yeah. we, uh, we know why people are mad at foundation later yeah. right we know why people are mad at foundation and you can have an argument about that can, but <laughs> yeah. but that's different that's not what's going on here like, that's I'm a whole other episode glenn yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but at a certain point, you've got to do a Tom Bombadilification of something. Yes. That <laughs> is a just lot. fourteen books. You've got to do. You've got to cut out a lot. A lot. Oh come on. Oh wait. Oh, you say that after they went with the like the quaint people with the little you know wagons for a while, and you're saying they didn't Tom Bomb, but they didn't Tom Bombadil. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm confused about the the way oh. of the leaf people because they yeah. did not seem to serve much of a purpose in this season, and I was they like, did. that's the that's the yeah. person I know from Orphan Black. She must be important. Oh well. No. Mind. Well, well, they, they needed to, they needed to pair those two that got split off with somebody yeah. uh, so that you could learn some more about, you know, uh, about it's vegetarian things. propaganda, vegetarian <laughs> propaganda, yep, you know, yep, that sort exactly. of thing. Um, I want to I want to start taking us toward wrapping things. Uh, but speaking of Tom Bombadilification, oh um, one of my favorite guest actors <laughs> in this season uh, is uh, uh, t- uh, Tom Merrill. Do I have the name right? Kathy, Marilyn, Marilyn, Tom Marilyn, yes. uh, a gleeman uh, yeah. of, of, of the various fantasy constructs that just, you know, got pulled out of the air. I love I love the notion of, of someone uh, who is a bard under a different name uh, with a silly name that makes uh, makes uh, men who remember things less frightening. Uh, I <laughs> that that to me. Uh, and this is where I'll kick off if we have uh, closing statements, uh, last things that we want to get out of the way. Um, that's one of the things that I like the most about this show is that it has room for all these nooks and crannies of stuff that all serves a purpose, even if it's small, even if it is further painting out the edges, the edges of the portrait of this thing that with 14 books, inevitably there's going to be stuff that gets cut. But I, I love that the show makes room for finding those additional details episode to episode um, where I can kind of say that an individual episode was the episode where this happens and also this happens and also this, and we learned this and this other thing. And even though I did take notes, uh, my second time through watching various things, you don't have to take notes and it's okay. If you don't pick up everything the first time you're introduced to it, you're kind of given these little waypoints of, Oh yeah, here's this, uh, this, this thing. We're not even going to call it a dark friend, but you're going to learn. That's what it was later on. And you're going to learn exactly what it is and you're going to see more of it. Um, that That is what I think has set this show up for a great pathway to success uh, long term. I think they have laid a very good foundation that is going to serve them very well long term. Um, Glenn, uh, what else do you have to, to say about the season of Wheel of Time? Oh, gosh. Uh, for me, it started really slow. And I know it's always going to be, I mean, even with everything that happened in the first episode, it's still, I was like, is this, you know, Tolkien adjacent, Tolkien light? Um, I don't know what to expect, but, you know, it's well produced. I like the actors. It's interesting to watch. I'm going to watch it. I mean, it's good TV. I'm going to watch it and we'll see where it goes. Like, all right, episode two. Uh, and then episode three, I'm like, oh, all right. And then four, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Here's, <laughs> wow, no, we've reached the top of the, of the, uh, 
the uh, roller coaster and now and you just hold on for the way down. And then you get those moments like at the beginning of episode eight. It's like, nope, technology. Like, oh, yeah. so I, I felt like it was a really good ride. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I bought in. Um, I didn't you know, it didn't didn't want to say it didn't seem cheesy. I was just like, how much new is going to be here and how much is ground that I've seen and heard so many times before am i ready for that and instead it's like nope they just they i maybe this is intentional or maybe it's just how i approached it watching it is they provided kind of an entry point that seemed more nominal maybe for people who weren't used to hadn't read the books weren't familiar with it so you take us in with some of the show a little village everyone's dancing blah blah blah. oh they're invaded by oh and there's a powerful woman and her you know silent what and then oh okay and then it's like oh it's nothing no no it's much more nuanced than that and it's more confusing it's like wait there's not four there's five of them and then oh and there's an you know, and then you think that the White Tower, oh, this must be the the people who rule the planet. It's like, nope, it's not like that either. So I felt like it uh, it was incredibly um, rewarding to keep watching everything unfold and be a naive uh, newbie watching it. So um, so I, I thought they did a great job. I agree with the, the pacing a bit. Some episodes kind of like not sure exactly what was going on there. Um, but uh, and there's, you know, I should point out for people who don't like a lot of violence, there's a fair amount of violence in it um some of it's a little i want to say almost cartoony and then you have other stuff where people are just you know straight up stabbed in the neck and it's it's pretty vicious so um that's the only proviso i give to people who uh or they already watched it if they got that spoiler horn or they wanted to be spoiled but that's that's my and i i find myself during pandemic being able to tolerate a lot more violence on screen because it seems more distant you know uh, something deep inside me trying to gnaw at me at a microscopic scale i guess i can watch things tear each other's arms off more readily i don't know uh but anyway i i really enjoyed it uh was uh anxious for each episode to be released and sometimes i'd be like oh it got released in the east or the you know gmt or whatever i'm gonna watch it tonight instead of on friday so uh looking forward to the next season and uh i have a question for kathy real quick though is will i be ruined if i read the first book will it cause me i don't care about spoilers per se at this point but will i be well i know too much for the second series if i read the first book now that you have uh watched the first season i can recommend that you go back and read the first book and oh, not good. be spoiled okay. by the, okay. the 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 part the part that i the big change that i love about the series is that journey of who's the dragon reborn because in the books you automatically know it's rand you don't know specifically oh <laughs> but it's wow that's why i was that's why i was surprised that it was obvious. a spoiler that it was something that having not read the book uh, or the books i i knew pretty instantaneously and it was it was very front and center you yeah. knew in the TV show? I didn't know in the TV show. I felt like the, the TV show was purposely trying to misdirect you by saying, you're going to think of this person. Yeah. Oh, no, this well, I meant, you're going to think of this person. I and meant then, the, and Eve, she's actually alive and it might be her. And then what about this person? <laughs> but what about the wolf guy? And I, I was on halfway through the, the season. I was totally on the page of like, look, they're Voltron. They, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all yeah, five many, of them. The many-headed dragon. <laughs> right. They, they Absolutely. Can't, they, and no one of them is the dragon. They are all the dragon together. But then you had that other episode. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I like that as, I mean, it's not much of a twist of saying, normally we have a chosen one, but this, the the the, uh, the arc of the season is, hey, which one of these people is the chosen one? Because I think that's a good dynamic for the people, because some people are like, well, I am I the chosen one? That would be cool, but then maybe I don't want to be the chosen one, yeah. but I don't want him to be the chosen one. That guy's a jerk, and they, you know, like the whole, <laughs> the whole dynamic of all, and they all seem to have like 
something to offer the party. So there yeah. was no real clear standout. And, I, and I, because of the way this is cast, I wasn't like, oh, it's obviously Rand because he's the good looking white guy. Because I'm like, hey, it could be any of them. And then the Nynaeve episode was, you know, I was like, is that the only the double cross? Like, oh, you thought she was dead, but actually it's her. But then the the other girl has magic too. And then, <laughs> then they throw in uh, Rand in the final episode. He was the one I least suspected because he was mostly just hanging around being a turd, yeah. complaining about his girlfriend <laughs> until in the ways he does this magic stuff. And even, they don't even show you him doing the magic in real time. They flash back to it and say, oh, I'm by the way, uh, you were wondering how that happened. Well, it was him and he was doing magic. And yeah. also his his mom is a, is a great sword fighter. Mm. Yeah. So, sorry, well, I, I didn't mean to fighter, say that. To I didn't fair. mean to say that the show, uh, the show told me that, that Rand was obviously the chosen one. It was that through common knowledge and being around, you know, Renfair people and people that played Magic the Gathering at lunch ah. uh, as a teenager, <laughs> that I, I, I knew very clearly that Rand Althor was the main character of these books. I see. Yeah. It's a good thing I didn't look at the Wikipedia pages and casting characters that says, says that Joshua oh. Stradowski or whatever as Rand Althor, comma, the Dragon Reborn. It's like, yes. spoilers, jeez. Did they put, I want to know when they added that, though. Was that there all along or did somebody add Dragon Reborn? I should look at the history. Very exciting. I'll, I'll look at the history. Well, right while now. Glenn is looking at the, the review, Vision history of that article, John. Uh, John, do you have uh, additional closing thoughts? Uh, things that you wanted to mention? Yeah, about I want to talk about how one? this how this show looks, right? So uh, you know, it's fairly generic uh, fantasy setting in terms of like there are forests and there's mud and there are some castle things and then some medieval looking towns and some towers and. Uh, I'm not sure what the budget was for this show, but I think they spent their budget well with location shooting shooting mm -hmm. mildly augmented by CG. The only exception mm -hmm. is the Shadow Town, which was crap. Sorry, they didn't ran out of yeah. money on that one or couldn't do a good enough job. But, but for <laughs> the most great, part, great concept didn't look quite as great yeah, as it could. No, have. Yeah. it didn't live up to whatever they were trying to go for. But the real horses walking around on real dead leaves on the ground and real forests that mm -hmm. that you know if people who are actually kind of damp right because the guys are outdoors uh <laughs> the location shooting did a lot for this and especially like the location shooting that's augmented with cg it's such a so much better than doing it full cg i think the show looks really good the interiors they reused a bunch of sets in the interiors and it's like okay you save some money and again covid and all that other stuff but i really appreciated yeah, and the costumes and and the you know like it, they did a good job of of the generic fantasy setting and then the other thing i'll add is i realize uh, having watched the full season now that this does tickle my post-apocalypse funny bone right mm. like mm -hmm. i i like oh. a fallen world i like the the remains of uh past civilizations and again rewatching, knowing what you know now you're like oh there was a lot of crap in the background that looked like much more modern structures that had yeah. crumbled down that they're just walking past like la di dot it's like wait a second no one in your in these towns could have made that thing that you just walked past uh so fallen world stuff is definitely good for me too and i'm not sure how much the series goes into all that uh the, the flashback thing made me think oh okay fallen world they had cool stuff but it also looked kind of weird and fantasy-ish so i really don't have any good grasp on the timeline but i i do enjoy that uh, i do like a, a post-apocalypse thing and who knows maybe we could have another apocalypse it's 14 books there could be a whole other <laughs> apocalypse the whole deal with the dragon is he's gonna like save the world or break it again and i'm up for either one yeah, that's the whole the whole point of the wheel of time is that time is a wheel. And so you have all of these ages uh, are many, many years. And so this idea of what is in the past is also in the future. And that whole idea feeds into the reincarnation idea and just kind of is all meshed in there. Um, yeah. So you are correct. 
and wrong. Uh, I want, uh, live breaking information, somewhere between November 17th and 18th uh, is when The Dragon Reborn was added to the name Randall Thor. So it was there as a spoiler from when the series launched just about, right? The series Yeah, it launched. came out on the 19th. Yeah, Technically so somebody's Technically the 18th stuck. in the U.S. because midnight and all of that. So but boo, yes. someone put the spoiler in there oh. uh, like just before it launched. Jerks. Well, uh, let's let's hope we don't have to boo any spoilers from Kathy Sedai. <gasps> uh, I'm going to do my best. The, Man, the, sister, is- the sister in blue. <laughs> who knows all the secrets, Kathy. Uh, what what do you have to share uh, that, that remains on your list of notes from season one of Wheel of Time? I am just so pleased that this show has been received as well as it has been um, by book readers and non-book readers alike. Uh, that season two is currently filming, that, you know, season three and season four being announced is, you know, on the horizon, potentially. Um, please keep it going. Let them fly me to London again for Woo-hoo! the premiere. <laughs> you know, any of that is totally fine. Uh, but also it's just it. <sighs> It makes me so happy to be able to, like, talk about the Wheel of Time to people and not have them look at me like, what? Because it was very difficult, you know, uh, when anytime somebody would learn my kid's name and they'd be like, where's that from? Is that Mexican? Is that? I don't understand. And so explaining like, hey, this is, you know, a fake, a fake name. All names are fake, All names but, are fake. <laughs> but yeah, this is like, this is where it comes from having the idea that, you know, the name that they were born with is one from this Will of series that is now, you know, exists in the wider world is really exciting to me. Well, uh, I think that, uh, that finally there's a TV show, uh, to let gingers everywhere know that it's okay. Uh, you too, you too could be a miserable chosen one in a fantasy story. You too oh, can have your soul back for a little bit you know just to be the chosen one i guess in uh in in wrapping things up uh you know my own feelings i i, I you know there 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 are always uh mixed feelings that i have about uh casting diversity uh choices that are made uh and and what is behind those choices and that sort of thing uh but you know everything all out in the wash of this first season i i am way happier with this than I have been uh, uh, the Shannara series that came out mm. a few years ago, which I found tremendously underwhelming. Um, I think they have, they have, as I mentioned earlier, laid a really solid foundation for something that is going to en- engage a lot of us for many years to come. And hopefully us uh, getting this, uh, this flagship episode uh, out about wheel of time just shows us to be incredibly prescient about this show going on uh, for many years into the future. Who knows 14 seasons we could be talking about this show. Um, I certainly wouldn't be opposed to that. I, I like the they idea don't of have having to worry about outrunning the books like they did with Grant game of Thrones. Right? Yeah, exactly. The, the, the story the books is are done. finished. <laughs> the books are, the books are done to the extent that, uh, they killed their author death of the author. I'm kidding. No, they didn't kill the author. <laughs> Everyone's being, all the actors are being very carefully, very extensively 3d modeled as insurance. Yes. <laughs> and and, and uh, from what it looks like, the actor that they cast as the replacement, Matt looks very much like the original oh, no. Matt actor. Yeah. You just need oh. a scruffy beard and a yeah. big right? curly you're, head. You're fine. Um, I, but I do, I, I have a, I have a question for Kathy, uh, as, as we've asked many questions about, uh, yes. uh, things from the books and things that you got to see for the first time. What was it like seeing Ishamael, the man, uh, the dark one, uh, for the first time, uh, without that mask on him? Man, you're hot. 
<laughs> so, so many beautiful people. So many beautiful people. So one good. always has to be seductive, you know. Yeah, always has true. to be. Yeah, always has to be incredibly handsome. Uh, well, this is a very handsome show uh, with a lot, uh, a lot of personality in addition to its beautiful looks. Uh, so we we urge you to seek it out on Amazon Prime. Uh, the last thing that remains for me to do is to thank my panelists, uh, Glenn Fleischman. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, John Syracuse. Thank you, sir. Wheel in the time keeps on turning. Is that the song? <laughs> keeps on turning. And Kathy said, I would you do something about all of these nuisance birds that won't stop roosting on my roof? I will do my best. This is not the ending, but it is an ending. Uh, if you if you like mo- this and you want more of it, hang out at theincomparable.com slash dragamount or Search Dragamount in your podcast app of choice and uh, hear myself and two other fantastic people talk about each episode of the show. Woo-hoo. And thank you, everyone. I'm Moises Chuyan. This is The Incomparable. We will be back uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs>